Welcome to the Pros on Fire podcast, a show for event pros hosted by two renowned DJs. Listen as industry leaders share their stories, wins, and losses to help fuel your fire. Here are your hosts, Troy Adams and Rasis Batsuli. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pros on Fire podcast. I go by the name of Rossi's Batsuli, and I got my main man, my brother from another mother, Troy Adams, on today, live from the lake. Troy, what's going on, man? I'm here. I have nothing witty to say. I used it all up in our five previous takes, so I got nothing witty to say. <laughs> there it is. Epic, no. way to, <laughs> epic way to start a show <laughs> right there, because you know when me and Troy starts, by the time y'all hear this live, we I mean, I, I've messed up like three times just to get into yeah. the show, but it's all good, though. It's, all, it's, it's how me and him flow and, and, and all that great stuff. Troy, what, what, are we, what are we bringing for the people today? Oh, man, I, I am so, so excited about our guest today. She would be, I mean, I would call her personally the, the queen of Asheville, like Asheville Ooh, extraordinaire. Okay, like, okay. I mean, pull out the I, crown. Um, every, <laughs> every person that I have introduced to our guest today has come back and said amazing things about her. And wow. she is the one and only Kim Lloyd. Welcome, <laughs> Kim. If you haven't met Kim, Kim is a chef. She's the owner of Selena and Company Catering and the owner of the rebranded Hideaway event. Hideaway. So we're we're so excited to have you here, Kim. Kim, before we dive into some questions, why don't you, for our listeners, just give a little bit about background of yourself and your time in the industry? Well, I went to culinary school in the late 90s and moved up and down the East Coast, kind of, you know, learning what I could in different kitchens and restaurants and country clubs and decided to move to the mountains of Western North Carolina in 2006. I came to Celine and Company Catering as the executive chef. And then in 2015, when Celine and her husband, Michael, who had run the business since the 90s, decided to retire, I purchased the business. And then, you know, just kept doing the awesome things that I was doing with Celine and took us in a little bit of a new direction as the events business in Asheville was really growing and changing. Awesome. Yeah. I, I would add to our listeners, Kim is the person to know in the entire Asheville and greater Asheville, Western North Carolina region. I mean, I would say Carolinas in general, personally, but uh, <laughs> you, you are, you're an incredible person full of knowledge and we're blessed that you're going to share. Uh, some of that knowledge. Absolutely. So let's, let's dive Thank in and, and let's dive right into some questions. Um, so e easy one first for, you know, for all our, sometimes as industry professionals, I think we forget, we take things for granted of just what is common knowledge and what is not common knowledge. Can you kind of explain in a catering capacity, you know, what is each style uh, of catering and food presentation and things like that? You know, that's a really great question because the whole flow of the wedding, you know, kind of centers around the dinner portion and how do you present the dinner portion of the wedding. So there are three kind of basic styles and then some variations in between. You can have a heavy hors d'oeuvre reception with food stations, and that would be for folks who kind of want a party that's happening the whole time. They want to offer a lot of variety. They want movement and they might not have a seat for every guest. You can also have a traditional dinner buffet, and that 
would be where every guest has a seat in the table assignment. We bring everybody to their tables at the same time and then release tables with the, the DJs often participate in that part and have everyone go through a dinner buffet where they fill one plate with food and enjoy that and then start the party. Then there is plated dinner selection so that then you can have, and I'm sorry that I didn't say that we always include cocktail hors d'oeuvres for cocktail hour, and those can be passed or stationary or a combination of the two. So for a plated dinner, you would have the cocktail hour, bring everyone to their seats and have a salad course waiting for them. And then do your intros, maybe your first dance, and we serve table by table. They're pre-selected most often entrees or the same entree to everyone with just an option for folks that are gluten-free or vegan or, you know, have some kind of special dietary needs. So what I ask my clients in the very first meeting is, do you expect everyone to eat at the same time? That's a big question, okay? Because that's going to tell me what style of service is going to work for them. Are you going to have a seat for every guest with a place setting? And what is your entertainment? Have you invested in a band that's playing for four hours and we need Mm -hmm. to maximize the time that you have that band is the focus for the party? Or are you working with a DJ and having a more kind of traditional format. So we start there and then we launch into the service styles. I also really like kind of a hybrid between a dinner buffet and a plated and a plated dinner so that we have a plated first course. So we bring the guests to their tables with a salad and breads, and then we can invite table by table after the salads are enjoyed to go through a buffet. So that nobody's starving. You know, I, I have imaginary wedding guests, okay? They're Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally. They've attended every wedding that I've done since like 2000, I think. And Uncle Joe likes Miller Lite. Aunt Sally likes Moscato. <laughs> and they eat dinner at home at 4.30. And they are always at table number 25. So like, <laughs> how can we keep Uncle Joe happy? How can we make sure that he has something to eat at 4.30 when he has that dinner at home? And this is just waiting patiently at the back of the room. So I also talk with the clients a lot about that waiting portion for their guests. Like how much traveling are you expecting them to do? How many times have they asked to arrive someplace and stop and wait? And then when you start to get to three or four times, then we start to think about just the guest comfort. And what can we do to ease that? Can we have a more free-flowing dinner situation so that Uncle Joe can just eat when he's ready and your partying friends can eat a little bit later? Is that going to work for the client? They Do they really want that structure? And how can we keep that timely and still have that feel natural? Oh my gosh, that's that is awesome. Like hearing the whole thought behind it and presentation and, and, and a question approach to clients from, from your side of things. That's amazing. Thank I'm you. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Received I know yeah. you got some questions. Yeah. 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 So the question I'm going to ask is from an event professional perspective, what's the top one or two things that we should know about dinner and just how you all flow as caterers during the event because i think sometimes we can get kind of siloed and what we're doing and we're not really paying attention to how you know what we're doing affects another vendor or event partner what are one thing one or two things that we should know about dinner and just even outside of dinner just the day that we should be mindful of when it comes to caterers and all that good stuff i think communication is the most important thing you know right away 
because I'm a venue owner and a caterer who travels to other event spaces, I do have kind of a unique perspective on how that works in both situations. So introducing yourself to the venue owner and the catering captain, you know, right away when you arrive someplace or as soon as everyone's kind of settled in and talking over the timeline with them so that there are no surprises. Maybe the clients told the DJ that they wanted to have toasting before dinner, but when they filled out the timeline with the event planner, she has the toasting listed after dinner. And the caterer has to have, you know, the the champagne glasses filled before toasting can begin. So if everyone has that conversation early and you can say, hey, oh, I see you have toasting here. You know, the client really wanted that after dinner, you know, so that we're all on the same page. And then also being flexible with still continuing to communicate and realizing like you're having an outdoor cocktail hour and it's one of the most, you know, beautiful sunsets that you've seen that year but now it's time to go in for dinner what do you do you are Mm. present in the moment paying attention to what's happening so that you can go to the event planner or when she comes over to you and says hey you know is it time to announce everyone to come into dinner you can say you know the sunset is amazing right now do you think the clients would be okay if we push that back 10 minutes and have you already had enough of a communication with the catering company that you know if they're if they're time sensitive or not? I try to never to always be able to be flexible within about 30 minutes for the beginning of something and the end of it. So if it's a six o'clock cocktail hour and I look up and it's 625, every guest is in their seats. I'm going to go up to the planner and the DJ and say, you know, everyone's already seated. If the bride and groom are ready, maybe we should just go into the next part of the party. Mm. So I think communication and paying attention and being really present in the moment, which I think gotcha. do well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's an excellent point. I, I think, and Troy, you can hop in here as well. Like when we're at events, we just don't pay attention. I, I can honestly say at every wedding, I don't introduce myself. I haven't even put that in our systems as far as having them introduce themselves to the catering captain. Uh, sometimes a lot of times the person that's leading the ship on the catering side, they're just a very nice person. They'll come up and introduce themselves and you feel that openness. But sometimes with some catering companies, you don't feel that friendliness or a lot of their staff are younger. So it's, you know, you see the smiles as the food is being served, but on the back end, when you're loading, you see the unprofessionalism. So you're like, ah, I'm just kind of fall back. And I'm not going to mention any names, of any mm-hmm. companies, but I've experienced that in the last couple of weeks of certain catering companies where their staff is just like, wow, what's, what's going on here? Like, this is kind of unprofessional. So the communication, that's good to hear that you all want that from the DJ. Yes. I, I didn't think... That was a thing. I mean, well, wedding planners, I get it, but I didn't think that the catering captain would want to, hey, you know, this is what's going on. And and so that, that, I mean, Troy, I don't know what you think. I'm sure you probably knew, but I I didn't know. Um, So I only see it at the bigger hotels um, with the banquet captain and stuff like that, but I didn't, I I had no clue. Well, I love, I love what you said about communication, Kim, because I always, like, I always tell our clients, Hey, be, be very general and gracious with your time and planning because there's so many moving parts, mm-hmm. so many moving variables in the day of, it's not going to, 
I, I get a kick, and this is not this is this is not a, a negative thing whatsoever. But I'll, sometimes I'll see timelines that are down to like the three minute increments. First yeah. dance is going to happen at yeah. eight thirty seven, and parent dance is going to be eight. And I'm like, it's not going to happen that way. Uh, and so, and I would, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I love communication because that's that's what I. Just like there's many variables working on the day of, there's many variables. We all have different approaches beforehand too. So making sure we, we connect. So what kind of tying into that, what would you say is the most common mistake you see made when it, when it comes to, you know, timelines and dinner and things like that with, with your unique perspective of both catering and, and a venue, what's the biggest mistake you feel like you see? Um, I think that planning too many formalities before mm. dinner to a point, including toasting, if it's more than two people, because uh. the guests are just really ready to eat Ooh. at that point. You Ooh. know, they arrived for the ceremony 30 minutes before it started. So by the, by the time you've had dinner on the timeline, it's, you know, like two hours since they arrived at the event venue. Yeah. And so just being honest with our clients about what really is successful and works kind of you know you know i know that they might have an idea of the way things were supposed to go but we get to see how they actually go over and over and over again so i think that being honest with the client and making sure that before dinner we really limit to like top 10 minutes worth of formalities Mm -hmm. before there is some food that is served to the guests and also a lot of times we see the planners and in the timing of things, they feel like if we preset a salad, but then they start that 30 minutes of formality that you could go into dinner right after that. But in reality, most folks will not eat while somebody is in front of them giving any kind uh. of a so it doesn't, I mean, it's great to have the salad on the table. It does save time and that you don't have to set it after their formalities, but you can't assume that you're going right into dinner once the formalities end. You have to give everyone a minute to talk amongst themselves, you know, to chat for a minute and then to start eating and then move on to the next step of the meal. So I like to suggest like first dances, intros, maybe a you know a welcome and maybe just two toasts if you're going to toast before dinner and then that's it but i do think a better flow is to do you know the first dance and intros and a welcome and then as dinner is coming to an end start the toasting cake cutting special dances and then it's time to party yeah. of course there's variations to that but that's just kind of something that seems to work all the time that's a really nice flow of events for the guests and for the couple because then their formalities are over as well right after dinner i also think that holding the cake cutting and stopping the dancing and mm. it never starts back up again I just, <laughs> Kill. thank you thank Do you y'all- you're like we just got them up and dancing. oh god sally wants to eat her go home let her go yeah let her go home i just want to say i just want to say preach sister preach (laughs) kim that's that's the best statement that you've made (laughs) oh my gosh that just set some djs free right there like that is the uh so between that and the uh announced that the photo booth is open but no disrespect to my photo booth people uh you know, but yeah 
dance floor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Kim, Kim, I got a question about you said some good things right there about the timeline. So and Troy, you've probably seen this too. So it true or false? Does it really help to have toast during dinner? Because you shared that if food, if you're eating and something's happening in front of you, you're going to stop. So do you actually save time by putting toast during dinner if you're running behind on your timeline? I think that it could be after the, like if it's a buffet, after the last table goes through the buffet, Mm -hmm. assuming that that means that the first folks went through 30 minutes before then. So they're close enough to the end of their meal that it's okay to start with toasting, but not until every guest is served. So if I'm serving a plate at dinner and they say, hey, we're going to start toast while you're serving, that's a horrible idea. Because we're also on the floor in the way, and if someone gets the wrong item, they don't know how to, you know, tell the staff person while there's toasting going on. Mm. So you are correct. Sometimes they get behind and they want to make up that time. And we don't want to lose the party time at the end. So, yeah, you have to wait till that last table has been served, however you format that. I really think, gentlemen, I really think that when you have the, the... best flow for a party if you can talk if we can get the clients to see it this way too it's kind of free flowing like you have this hour-long cocktail hour and then if you have a buffet or stations we set them up and then we go up to uncle joe and his old friends who have been seated since 15 minutes into cocktail hour Mm. and let them know that they can eat and then the old folks eat the young folks party they look up and they see that the old folks have eaten a little bit of a line forms for the buffet or stations and you realize that it's just 45 minutes into the dinner, you know, the dinner time and every person has a plate of food in front of them yeah. and just happy. They're mm-hmm. doing what they want to do. And then you yeah. have plenty of party time after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. that yeah, that, that's exactly, I, I, I'm of the same belief with, with toast too. That's kind of what we try to f- lay out as far as time frame that we, we try to follow as well. Um, mm-hmm. Receipts, but I, I don't, I, I'll get carried away asking questions, so I'm going to shut up so you can ask. <laughs> no, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. I, I, there's so many questions are popping in my head. I'm trying to stay on task, but um, one of the, we've all experienced COVID um, and how that affected the event industry. Um, and the biggest area that I personally saw um, mm-hmm. outside of the cancellations and venues was the food side. So what was what was some of the biggest changes in catering um, with events as far as what's happened with COVID and the pandemic and stuff like that? What changes did you make? What were some of the struggles um, that you may have faced because of people's point of view and preference on masks, no masks, gloves, no gloves? I mean, all that. So I w- we would love to hear that side of what, what has changed permanently and what was like just, you know, just a quick change for the moment. Well, in the middle of of COVID, kind of last fall, when we were, you know, doing the best we could to participate in events that were happening in outdoor settings, Mm -hmm. we kind of put forth a set of rules that I felt comfortable with. I had a crew that wanted to work. I had event venues that wanted to have events and I had clients that wanted to have their weddings. So I said, okay, I will participate, but here are the things that are important to us that have to be followed for us to participate. And of course, we all wore masks. Um, 
we weren't present during dancing at that time. Oh, you know, wow. We used a lot of disposable items that I never would have used in the past. Okay. Um, we used disposable plateware and glassware because I felt like that that was a critical control point for my staff safety. Yeah. Um, we didn't set up buffets or cakes around dance floor areas because that just seemed to be, and you guys were right there in front of those folks. Right. Where have, you know, all of a sudden you would look up and there would be 70 unmasked <sighs> people on a dance floor. Yes. And so I wanted to make sure that I felt like I was doing everything I could to keep my staff safe. And I just had really honest conversations with the clients. We also stopped doing everything that was self-serve. So we stopped doing like self-serve charcuterie stations and self-serve buffet or beverage stations. Some of those changes we are continuing now, and we thought they were nice changes. We're serving a lot of hors d'oeuvres in little, like, palm leaf boats that are cool, you know, in single portion. And instead mm. of walking around, like, with a tray of shrimp on toothpicks, we walk around with a tray of boats full of shrimp with a toothpick. Ah. And even charcuterie, like a tray with these cool little palm leaf boats and whatever might have smoked sausage and cool mustard and house pickles and grilled baguette. And another might have apples and pork and zola and a honey and cranberry walnut bread. So mm. we're bringing those same flavors to the guests without them having to touch all the utensils or take the time and wait in line during cocktail hour for something to eat. I also started passing coffee. Like I call it airplane style. You know how they come down the aisle of an airplane at the end of a long flight and they've got this yeah. It smells amazing. We started walking around right after cake cutting with trays of coffee, just like that. And the guests loved that. They felt so treated and so special that somebody was approaching them and saying, would you like a cup of coffee? And we serve Pisgah coffee, Roker's, Roaster's coffee, so it, the smell you know, just permeates the room. So that's a change. I also think that there were some things that I thought I would never do. Like I thought I would never serve foil butter packets. That that was just, you know, my level of catering didn't allow for some of those things. And now I realize it's okay. And you know, yeah. when I was doing just the disposable plates, I had one event planner say to me a week before a wedding, Kim, if we serve their beef tenderloin on a disposable plate, it's going to ruin their wedding. And I said, no, it's not. It's not, you know, if they had to cancel their wedding because of COVID, which they're yes. not, that would have ruined their wedding. Mm -hmm. And then the night of the event, the planner said to me, this is the most amazing wedding meal I've had this month. You did not ruin their wedding. So I realized from someone who had set standards a long time ago that I could have a little bit of flexibility within those standards and still have successful celebrations. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So dropping some knowledge right there. I know. I know. I, I feel like that comes back to that, you, you know, presentation is important in, in all of what we do, but it doesn't supersede content and, mm -hmm. and safety in this case. That's right. Like the substance, yeah. substance is what is what matters. Yeah, um, it does. So, Kim, I'll ask I'll ask you one uh, one one final question here. Before we wrap up like I, I could keep going for another 30 minutes honestly <laughs> we might have to have a, a podcast episode two on this on what's cooking um so like one of the goals of uh, of Rostis and I this podcast is to elevate you know all our industry peers all of us to elevate all of us with shared knowledge and, and better practices and so from your unique perspective with you know as a, as a venue owner and with and a catering owner what is what is something that you would tell 
fellow pros um, that they should know to help them basically stand out and elevate themselves as a professional as it relates to 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 catering and and timelines mm-hmm. um i think that it's important to have the conversation with the client about flexibility and about flow you know so that that and 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 to be honest, not to say, yes, that's going to work. Yes, that's going to work when you know that it's not a good idea because we have to execute what we promise the night of the event. So I find that, and you know, something that I heard, truth in pricing, I think is important. You know, I think that that really helps you stand, all of us stand out in the industry. And I hear that from clients when they receive their invoice, you know, Kim, it costs exactly what you said it was going to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel like when couples are making this big ticket purchase, you know, they're spending sometimes six figures on this wedding celebration and making sure that you let them know exactly what to expect with that invoice. And then you, you know, as a business owner, if you realize that you made a mistake, that's your mistake. And you're prioritizing the success of the event when it comes down to it. And if all of the vendors are working together and they all feel like anything that needs to be done is their job, then, then that's going to show for the guests. And they're going to say, you know, we see all these those folks working together so hard to make our event feel successful. And they'll know that they had a, a wedding team to just really be a wedding team with the vendors that are present that day. Wow, that's amazing, Kim. Sheesh, capiche. So at 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 this yeah, point of wow. the show, oh, at this point of the show, we typically like to me and Troy will share one key takeaway that we took from the show and all the nuggets that that you shared. Um, and you can, Kim, I just want to give you your kudos. Like you can tell, you can hear the experience in your responses. And, and what you've oh, yeah. learned. Um, that'll be a whole nother episode to ask you the mistakes that you've learned uh, oh, with yeah. your company, <laughs> you know, because you, there's so much wisdom and knowledge. And I just want to give you a kudos on that. I, the biggest thing that I got, my key takeaway, is your intentionality to do what needs to be done to protect your team. Because uh, I originally was going to go with communication, but when I started to hear your the changes that you did make during the pandemic, um, even understanding where to set up that wasn't close to the dance floor um, and not close to a lot of people because you were thinking about your team. Now, mind you, we were doing weddings, me and Troy, we were doing, our company were doing weddings during COVID. And I was just thinking about the masks, how, you know, if I'm back in the kitchen, do they have masks on while they're prepping the food? Um, is it self-serve? I've even seen some nasty stuff where a venue owner, his bare hands in the oh. food, just grabbing the food oh. just during COVID. Um, won't mention their name. But uh, long story short, just your intentionality to, you know, okay, we're going to be very intentional about where we place things how we do things because i care about my team and we all know on 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 this podcast that even down to the mask no mask thing was a very sensitive subject for some people so it takes a level of leadership and boldness to say hey i care about my team this is what we're going to do um and we are in the industry where you know you come across people that like i don't want you to do this or you get a big ticket on a client and the expectations may not align with who you are as a person and you have to stand firm and be okay with losing that business to say, no, I care about my team. 
this is what we're doing. So that's my key takeaway that I took, um, Kim, is the intentionality. And we were talking about this before the podcast started, your leadership and intentionality of caring about your team. Um, so that's something that you can apply, apply to any business or professional um, in leadership. But that's it. I know that was a lot. But Troy. Thank you. No, that was good, man. That was great. I'll 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 uh, I'll I'll go with communication, but I'll go with the kind of a specific takeaway that I had from it on everything you said is genuine communication or transparent communication. Because I feel like the thread and a lot for me, the thread in a lot of things you said, you know, pricing, being transparent with pricing, and that that's that's an opportunity to earn trust right there. Down to your know, presentation and the conversation you have with the planner, having real discussions, real genuine discussions about everything with with clients and how it's really going to play out and i feel like sometimes i know for me when i first got started that was hard for many years to feel like i'm going to have these real hard real transparent discussions tell them something maybe they don't want to hear but that i'd rather talk about it now than the day of have them be like oh my gosh i thought i'd be dancing by now well you have 250 people in a single-sided buffet you know um Uh, you know, whatever it might be. And so <laughs> that's, that's my biggest takeaway reminder oh, that, um, that, yeah, be, be, be truthful to, to who we are, but also to what we know is probably going to be happening, that we're doing them a service when we tell them this is the real side of what's probably going to happen. That was my biggest takeaway. So thank you for, for sharing all that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for thank you for joining us today thank in the you. podcast. Thank you for dealing with me, me uh coming in late from the lake trying to get connected. The beauty of where we are now in the world. <laughs> um, but thank you for blessing us and our guests, Kim, with your amazing knowledge. We yes. really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen, for this podcast and all that you do to further the events community and all. Carolinas. Thank you. Oh, man. Okay. You're making me blush. Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> you got two grown men on here blushing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, we appreciate y'all for listening to another episode of Pros on Fire, and we are out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pros on Fire podcast with Troy and Rossis. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit prosonfire.com for more information.